Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format helps you learn at your own pace and fit earning a degree into your life. From before you enroll to after you graduate, you'll be supported by people who are invested in your success so you can pursue your goals knowing that help is available if you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show on the Stansberry Radio Network. So you guys, I am so impressed with both of you. I have Kristen Carney and Marnie. Uh, Marnie, I don't know how to say your last name. Marnie Kinris. It's Kinris. I, I don't even know how to say my last name sometimes. So That's okay. Worry. I don't. You know, Kinris. My last name is. I always tell people my, my last name is. I'll touch her fast. So James, I'll touch her. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. That always, That's yeah, perfect. That, that, I could use that as a line, right? Potentially. Exactly. So, so I'm so impressed with you two, and I'm glad you could both join me on this show. You've both, you've literally created like an industry by yourselves, and you've created so much content, and you've created your careers. Like, I just want to ask: Have have either of you ever considered like any other career other than what you're doing? Uh, well, Marnie should answer well, that because Marnie's the real businesswoman. No, no, but Kristen, you also like um, you're. I've been watching your stand up. You're hilarious. Like, what did you always start off with stand up? Um. Well, I think you know when you're a kid, I think you always have like an an innate sense that you're just you're not. You can't talk to other kids the way other kids talk to other kids, and you always have this sense about you that you're more observational. You know, I remember being like nine years old and thinking to these girls, you know, go to the bathroom by yourselves, like you don't share a bladder. But as a nine-year-old girl, I couldn't say that to anybody else. And it wasn't until I discovered that stand-up comedy existed that I felt like I had an actual, quote-unquote, calling or something that I would be good at. So, yeah, as soon as you could understand that concept. Well, Kristen, I had, um, like, a few weeks ago, uh, Jim Norton was on the podcast, and... uh, we grew up together, and I, I knew from, like, the age of 10, this guy was meant to be a stand-up comic. But he, right. when he first started, he was telling me he kept bombing his first couple of years, and I couldn't even understand it because I guess there's, there's, a, there's a lot, as he put it, there's 100,000 funny people out there, but there's an extra skill in terms of, like, building that rapport with the audience and really connecting with, with your fans that uh, is difficult. That's a skill for the stand-up. Yeah, it's really interesting because I never associated uh, confidence with comedy. I always associated, um, you know, neuroses and self-discomfort <laughs> and self-hate. But it's weird how in stand-up, as soon as you get comfortable with all of that stuff, you have an air of confidence, and then you can be funny with an audience. But if you 
you know, and so I think, you know, when whenever you start out, no matter who you are, if you're not comfortable with who you are, it's going to be weird, even if you're the funniest person in the world. But the minute you get comfortable with it, all of a sudden the tides change. And how did you get comfortable with yourself to be comfortable with stand-up? I'm still, I'm still not comfortable. I go through this constant, like, who am I? What should I present to the world? Because on the inside, I feel like like Larry David, but on the outside, I look like a young woman who has nothing in common with, you know, someone of, of that mindset. So I'm, con- I'm, I'm constantly um, trying to get comfortable again with myself, and I actually notice that I go up and down in waves with comedy. If I'm, if I'm in a zone where I'm not questioning who I am, I do great, but something will happen in my life where then I kind of backtrack, and then I'll start bombing. So I'm always up and down. Okay, well, we're going to get back to that because that's also related completely to the topic of what we're going to be talking about today. And Marnie, you, like, created uh, an entire career that I never thought would be a career. I I wrote a book uh, about a year ago called Choose Yourself where you have to, um, in this economy, you kind of have to figure out what you really love doing and then choose yourself to do it. And you did it. You're, so yeah. maybe describe what you do for a living, because I think it's fascinating. So I'm a wing girl, so I coach men on how to understand women. But it's funny, because I was just listening to your Mark Cuban interview, and you were talking about how he had made a statement about how you have to find your passions and follow it. And, I, I, and you're kind of reiterating that right now, saying figure out what you like and then do it. But for me, I honestly did this by accident. I happened to be in a job that I hated. I was working in public relations, and I went to a singles mixer, and it was at a rabbi's house. And at the singles mixer, nobody was talking to each other. Men and women were literally on opposite sides of the room. So I started grabbing men and being their wing girl and their icebreaker. I would break them into conversation with women. I would tell them what to say. I would tell them to untuck their shirts. I would help them from stopping fidgeting because it was distracting and it made them look like they had lack of confidence. And by the end of the night, people were interacting. They were making out. They were exchanging phone numbers. And so when I went home at like 1.30 in the evening, I made a joke to my roommate and said, I hate PR. I wish I could do PR for these guys. I wish I could be their wing girl. And at that time, the term wing girl didn't exist. And he said there is no In, in, in my way. mind, that term didn't even exist until uh, about a week ago when I started researching you. <laughs> well, I'm not doing a good job, obviously. That's horrible to hear. But no, no, I'm, I'm married, so I, I'm not, like, out there on the scene. Like, But, uh, but I was true. fascinated. It's such a great idea. So, so keep on going. I'm sorry for interrupting. Yeah. No, that's okay. But and my roommate, who was a guy, and he was much older, he said to me, he's like, there's no way that guys would ever pay for that service. You, you, you would fail in business. They don't want to hear what women think, and they don't care for a woman to help them with women. And I don't I understand said, why a guy would say right. that, because I would have so paid either. for that. Every step of the way. That's the thing. After I talked to more guys, guys were like, uh, this is genius. Why wasn't somebody doing this a long time ago? But he was like, nope, not going to happen. So I went into my room, put an ad on Craigslist at like 1.30 in the morning, and I just started getting responses. And then I started playing around with my price points. I started playing around with my language that I was using, and then went to sleep probably at 2.30. And by the next morning, I had over 75 responses from guys who were interested in me taking them out and picking up women for them and being their wing girl and icebreaker. And so how, how would you do 
you charge for that? Would you charge like per date or like per month or or what? Or if they got like uh, the girl of their dreams, well, like how would you charge? I was, around, I was playing around with it. So at first it was like one seventy five for three hours, and then it was like four seventy five. I wanted to see you know what people would pay for this service. I'm like I didn't even really know what it was that I was doing at that time. All I knew was that there was something of interest to other people, and I had put up an ad saying, "What better way to attract bees than with honey?" Sit back and relax, and I'll do all the work for you. Just be that hot guy in the corner and have me as your wing girl get women for you. And I just played around with that service. And for the first few months, that's the service that I did offer to men. But as time went on, I saw what the market wanted, where I could actually make money, where I could be most helpful for people. And then I also stumbled upon the online marketing community. So I learned how to take my in-person service and apply it to people all over the world. So they didn't have to be in Los Angeles to work with me. They could be anywhere in the world and, and still have the information that I was offering to these guys. That so you, you've become like, like an, an internet marketer. Like I saw in your book, you mentioned yeah. uh, David D'Angelo, for instance. He's like the, the ultimate inter internet marketer in the pickup scene. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's like God in that world, or at least he was when I first started, and this was 10 years ago. And so actually, I had heard of David. 10 years ago? You've been doing this for 10 years? Yeah, I've been doing this since 2003, so almost 11 years now. Oh, my gosh. So I, I um, was single for a period from about 2007 or 2008 to 2010, or no, 2009, and uh, I totally should have used your services. I was a, I was a wreck. Totally should have. I'm not a good internet marketer, obviously, if you weren't finding me. <laughs> no, I, I kind of took things into my own hands. I, I sort of ha felt like I could do it, but uh, I probably could have done it better with all. You know, you can never have enough help is my view. So That's true. So, but I've listened to a couple of your interviews from the way that you present yourself. I would think you'd be totally fine. You know, it was it was hard work, actually. I had to um, I, ha I had to work at it. Like, you know, I'll tell you a story. My initial technique was really, really bad. I put an ad on Craigslist and I said that I had really, that I had hurt my head and I had this massive headache and it went, I went unconscious and when I woke up, I was psychic. And does anybody have any questions for me? I just feel this need to like help people. And then I ignore all the emails that guy sent and I only responded to the emails that girl sent. So that was my very first technique. <laughs> That was, was your really room? horrible and manipulative. I I admit now it was like the worst thing possible. Although well, I'm still Facebook friends with all those women, so it, that's okay. Oh my God, that's so funny. But that's I didn't so have. Sex but now you're married. Now you're married. So obviously you did something right. Yeah, you know, you know what was the most thing right for me, and then I want to uh, find out from you what the most thing right is for people in general. The most thing right for me was is that I started saying no to people. So oh, instead that. of just going on like random dates and, and taking advantage of random opportunities, I, I sort of decided what my goal was, which was basically to get remarried. And I would say no to any situation that wasn't moving me forward in that direction. And and, th and when I say saying no, I was saying no to everything. And that's what kind of got me on track and ultimately having meet somebody. I love that because it's funny because I was listening to Kristen give her description of what she does, and then you just giving that description for you. And it ends up, it, it, all of it is tied into each other. It really comes down to confidence. And that's what we teach in my business, 
the Wing Girl Method, but then also on our podcast, the Ask Women podcast, that we talk about owning who you are and not just, you know, putting other people on pedestals, especially women, people you have no idea who they are, what they're about. All you know is that they're pretty and they have a nice smile and maybe some nice, like, breasts or something. And suddenly you put them way ahead of yourself. And what you're saying that you did in dating, what Kristen was saying that she's doing in comedy is really owning who you are and being comfortable in your own skin and being okay with whether it's good or bad, which I think is awesome. It's cool how it goes full circle. It does go full circle. And, like, Kristen with stand-up, so so I've done some public speaking, and if you go out there and there's this kind of, like, blank crowd, like, you can't see the crowd in front of you, but you still have to connect with them, it's all about... It's almost this primal thing. It has to come from inside of you, and it's like you have to like shoot out like a superhero or something like confidence race to everyone in the audience. Like I'm always with stand up in particular, they're not hearing they're not going to hear you speak about like, I don't know, the White House or anything. They're going to hear you they're expecting you to make them laugh. So there's this extra pressure. Uh I don't know. That's really hard to have that kind of confidence, I think. Yeah, it is. And I I always actually with that um, with the stage where it's completely pitch black and you can't see anything, um, that has always been a hard, hard part for me um, because I do like to, if I can see someone's reaction, I can feel their energy. But when you can't see their, their reaction, you really don't know what they're thinking about you. So you almost have to go into like a robotic state and just assure yourself that you've done this a million times and that you can do it again. So it's, it is definitely... Come at that point, that becomes more of a performance when you can't see the audience because you really are, you feel like you're in a closet by yourself, and that's when you have to just turn on the magic and just go with it. Um, so that, for me, has always been a little bit more difficult, but you can get into a rhythm where it feels more natural. Um, how, how long do you think it yeah. took you before you started feeling more confident on the stage in, in stand-up, that, that you could basically call yourself a stand-up comic? Uh uh, probably, I would say four years. Four and, years. So you know, it always it, takes. It, it, it. That's what's scary. I. I would love to one day, and I'm sure many people say this too. I would love to one day try stand-up comedy. But everyone says four years. I was just talking the other day to um, Marina Franklin. Do you know who who she is? She's on. Um, I, she's on a bunch of different things. But she was telling I me it took her is. eleven years before she had the confidence. <laughs> That's scary. Yeah, make, <laughs> I should probably up my number a little bit on that. Um, I, you hear people who have gotten on stage, you know, for maybe two months or two times, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I do stand up," and there's nothing more cringeworthy than than hearing that, and like you're some, you feel like a pit in your stomach because you're like, "No, I, I, I do stand up. I've been, you know, hustling and earning it." So. I think a lot of comics get angry when someone just does stand up a couple of times and then puts a picture, you know, on their social media holding a microphone, you know, because it does take a long time. And, and I think four years for me is basically getting to the point where I feel like I'm allowed to do comedy, where I'm allowed to say I do st- stand up and I'm a comedian. But I'm sure that there's, you know, I've been doing it for about six. So I think that there's definitely an incredibly long road ahead until I can actually feel like a successful comedian because I certainly don't feel successful, but I feel like I do stand up, you know, so. Well, well, and, you know, this is a great opportunity now to kind of join your stories here. So you guys do the Ask Women podcast, and also, yeah. Marnie, you do the, the Wing Girl Method uh, blog. Yeah. 
and uh, and you sell you know your services and product or or what do you sell on your blog? Everything, including myself and my soul. Um, yeah, I, I sell products online. I sell at home kits. I sell uh, coaching classes, um, telling classes, boot camps. Uh, books that I've written, lot, lots of stuff. But also, and are, are you the only woman who well. sells pickup artist type materials? No, I don't. I, I there's certain times where, like, I have a you know, like a, a database of people who have signed up for my newsletters, and sometimes I will show other experts to them that maybe have conflicting point of views to me, only because. My job, I feel, is to provide information to men, and I'm not the only bit of information that's out there. I want them to, to be real men who collect a full scope of information and can pick and choose what is best for them. So sometimes I will show other people, but I have to at least be friends with those people and know that they have good intentions behind what they're doing. I don't ever talk about other people who manipulate women, who objectify women, I'm a woman, so I would never want to. Uh, well, it's, it seems like, and, and I, I, I've been reading your materials, and and I think we agree. Like all that pickup artist stuff is is junk. I think I don't know how yeah. it works at all. Actually, like I can't imagine doing any of it. And I'm not even saying this just to be just to agree with you. Like I, I honestly can't imagine how any of it works at all. Like I think, well, I, I think, think you describe either. you how you were hanging out with Mystery at one conference, and all of his stuff was intriguing while you were talking to him. And so he just for listeners, he's like the, one of the most well-known pickup artists. Yeah, so you were right. really intrigued while you were talking to him, but then after you were talking to him, you had like zero interest in ever talking to him again. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, all I wanted was for him to want me during that time. But that that is the thing that men do want other women to see that they're men of value and men who need to be scooped up quickly because they're going to be scooped up by somebody else if they're not quickly taken. And the thing is, is that he wasn't doing anything like douchebaggy or manipulative. He was honestly just having interesting and fun conversation and positioning himself in a high value way that I found attractive and engaging and exciting to be a part of, but it didn't make me think about him afterwards. Like literally the next day, I did not think about him at all. But in that moment, all I wanted was for him to want me and see me as special. But is that because, um, A, he, in that particular conference, which was like a pickup conference, in the status hierarchy, he has high status. So right then, when you're kind of being surrounded by that hierarchy, uh, you, you of course, were uh, in some ways attracted at that moment to the person who had highest well, status. But once you were out of that hierarchy... But I didn't even know he did. That thing, that, okay, so for me, I didn't even know the pickup artist industry existed, right? So when we first contacted David D'Angelo, I had no idea who he was. I had no idea what a pickup artist was. He interviewed me to see if I could come speak at his conference, and he was using all these terms, and I was like, what are you talking about? But obviously pretending I knew what he was talking about. And he said, yeah, okay, come speak at this event. It's happening on this day. It's three days going to be a room of 300 guys. You'll be great. So I went there. I didn't know who anybody was. I had no clue that this world existed. So I actually didn't know Mystery, and I didn't know he was who he was within that industry until afterwards. So it, it so yes, I'm sure if I was in a space where I did know his status, it would definitely put him at an even higher level. But for me, I had no clue who he was. He was a guy in a unitard who I thought looked really weird, and was he really wearing a really tall? 
Oh, yeah. Are you wearing like a top oh, hat and nail and polish? Get, and oh, and a nail polish and a lunch bag as a purse. So, Kristen, what do you think of yeah. Marnie spending two hours talking to a guy wearing nail polish? Well, the thing is, is that he calls himself mystery, but when you call yourself mystery, you take away any mystery that's actually there. It's like you, <laughs> you know, like, point. okay, I get you. You think you're interesting or you think you're deep or artsy or whatever. <laughs> For me, I have, like, very little tolerance of this stuff because I didn't even know it existed until I met Marnie. Um, and so if the minute I saw a guy like that, it would be, it would be like a, it would be hilarious. I would, I wouldn't talk to him for sure. I wouldn't talk to him at all. But, but how do you know? Because it sounds, Marnie, like I bet you normally wouldn't talk to him either. And yet he had some sort of allure. Oh, absolutely. It's really funny because one of my products is called What's Inside a Woman's Mind. And it's interviews that I do with women where I, I push them to give real answers instead of their typical, like, I'm a woman and I would never do this. And well, like I, I try to get them to really give their honest answers. And most, most women, and most people in general, you, you, you say ideally the way that you would response. Here's what, in my mind, in a very calm state, I believe I would choose to do if X, Y, and Z happened. So I have several scenarios where I have girlfriends of mine where I've interviewed them, and they've said, nope, I would, I would never go out with a guy who did X, for example, or I would never go out with a guy who said this to me, okay? And I've, I've taken that as a challenge to put them in situations where they have those things happening, and I will say that if it is the right guy with a strong character and confidence who's able to respect himself and show his value, he will change that response around and have her do a 180 where she will say yes to him asking something if he has X job or if he does, uh, I don't know, I can't even think of an example right now, but things that they would say. Like I put my girlfriends in scenarios where they've said I would never respond to a guy who would say this to me and then we were out at night and I would tell a guy who I knew was confident to go up and flirt with my friend and say that to her and she would end up making out with him by the end of the night. So in an ideal world... Yes, Kristen would not respond or not engage to a person who was wearing a unitard, but there are specific situations where she would, and she would actually have a really good time and probably end up liking that person in some way. Maybe she wouldn't be attracted to him because she's in her 30s now, so she's going to be a little bit more skeptical. <laughs> but Did Marnie just out um, your age there? Oh, <laughs> she did out me. I'm going to out her, too. She's got a couple years on me, so take that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We're both in our 30s. That's the interesting thing, because I was, I was 23 but, but let me say, when but I let me say this mystery. But let me say this. Yeah. Even in my 20s or my teens, I have always felt and, and thought the same way. I've only dated, like, two guys. I've been super picky. So I think there's certain women, and I'm not saying that they're, like, below me at all, but I think there are certain women that are more open I'm very closed off and, and, like, neurotic. And so I think there's certain people where that works. And even if you think it wouldn't work, it would work. But for me, I know 100% it wouldn't work. I just looked up pictures of Mystery. I've actually never seen pictures of him. <laughs> and I'm, like, now I'm 200% sure it wouldn't work. You know, I've never seen like him either, actually. I always thought he was a big mystery. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google that as well. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've actually never wanted to Google just for the sake that I wanted to make sure in my mind I didn't like him. Because I assumed if I saw a picture, I'd go, oh, well, maybe he's not that bad. But I saw a picture, and I definitely think he's just as bad as I am. <laughs> so, 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 what, um, so let's get right into it. What actually, for you guys, what does work when, uh, for a guy who is single, 
and wants to meet a girl, what should he do? Let's say I was, let's say I'm back in 2008. What should I do? Well, the thing is that we've done over 65 episodes now of the Ask Woman podcast. So um, I have an understanding of what Kristen is attracted to. She has an understanding of what I'm attracted to. And on the surface level, they're different things. Like, we are never going to compete over the same person. We have specific likes. We know what we want in terms of partnership. And we both have partners. So, you know, and those people are very different from one another. But we've agreed on several um several platforms, I'll call it, in terms of at the core, what women want from men. So across the board, women are looking, and they all come in different shapes and sizes depending on who the woman is, but we're looking to be with somebody who is a leader, uh, someone who knows what he wants, someone who's comfortable in his own skin, um, somebody who is calm, cool, and collected and can handle our emotions, that is ultimately what we are attracted to. And I I hate to throw the term out there, just being yourself, but it's guys who know how to be themselves and what that actually means. They own who they are. And like you said earlier on the call today, you decided to say no to things, which means that you can make decisions, you have opinions, and you can put a boundary in place. And that is super sexy to myself, to Kristen, and to, you know, for me, the thousands of women that I've interviewed. Um, And then the other women that we've talked to since doing our podcast. I have to say, it was really difficult for me because I grew up kind of a nerdy, acneed, glasses, braces kid, you know, with like black curly hair, like very, uh, you know, Jewy looking. I'm Jewish in a, you know, racially diverse neighborhood. And I was the bottom of the, the food chain. So any time a girl gave me any attention, I would instantly fall in love from like the age of yeah, six of years old on. And it took me a long time to learn how to say no to that. Yeah. Well, what, if, what if you have no opportunity being thrown your way. Oh, sorry, go on, Kristen. No, it's okay. And what you should value is the fact that all of those things gave you a lot more character than the other guys who had it easy on the block did. And when yeah. when you do get older and women, we've talked about this a lot, it really, of course, you know, you have to be attracted to your partner, but it really comes down to um, if you guys connect and if she if she likes who you are. So all of those things shaped you as a better person, whereas if you didn't go through those hardships with women or with kids, you know, being the outcast, you wouldn't be who you are today, and you wouldn't be able to offer the same things. Yeah, and we call it pretty boy syndrome. You know, when you are pretty when you're younger, you never really have to think about having a personality because things just came to you really easily. You would literally have to say, like, three words, and girls would be into you. But as you, as you get older, as you enter your 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s, it starts to change. Women require a lot more than just, like, a nice smile in order to keep them interested or even catch their attention. So but it, it also, right. it like seems those, like yeah. men need to be really careful about what they signal. So, you know, it's not, they can't just sort of, yeah. like, show you their fancy car or anything either. You know, that would be bad as well. Well, they can. Yeah, I think for certain you can women. definitely get women. You can definitely get women that way, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a quality woman or the woman that you want. I mean, maybe that is what you want, that type of woman, but that doesn't work across the board. Certainly, it's not right. just what you have. It's it, yeah. like Marnie said: if you're a leader, if you have goals, um, that's a lot more attractive than a super flashy car. Okay, so yeah. so I'm let's let's we're teaching let's guys talk to have technique. opportunities. Let's talk technique here because so guys yeah. probably call you Marnie and say, "Well, I'm in the Whole Foods produce produce section and I want to walk up to a girl. What do I say?" But that's not really the point. The point is really to figure out how to be 
a leader from the inside and then you'll know what to say. So so what's the what are the techniques that they, that you tell them where they can basically build up this self-confidence and, and become a leader? Okay, well that's that's a large answer. So there's there's like tons of exercises for them to do and little things that they can do on a daily basis in order to build up that confidence level, get really familiar with who they are, what they want. Uh, it's a lot of self-work, which I know is not the sexiest thing in the entire world when all you're trying to do is like figure out how to pick up and approach girls. But I believe this, Kristen believes this, that like if you do not turn yourself on, I'm not talking about like turning yourself on. It's actually, I'm, but I'm just saying like if you don't like yourself and you can't be proud of who you are, then nobody else is going to feel that way about you. You can't expect women especially to help pick you up and see the potential in you. You have to show them your potential. You have to show them how great you are, but you have to believe that yourself first. So there's a I, lot of things that we talk about on our podcast that help guide men down that path. In terms of techniques, we have techniques for starting conversations, for having conversations, ways to listen to women so that you can remember how to listen, how to engage, how to open up and share, and ultimately how to connect, which is the biggest thing that a lot of men forget to do in their conversation. They forget how to connect because that's that's what makes you memorable after. When I talked to Mystery that first time, he made an impression, but we didn't make a connection, which meant I didn't think about him afterwards. That, that's really interesting because if you look at it from, um, I don't know how much you looked into evolutionary psychology and how that's related oh, yeah. to uh, uh, th- th- how we choose our 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 mates, but like women, yeah, we had, of we had course. David Buss on our podcast talking about the evolution of desire, so we've we've done a lot of research on that. Oh, who who did you have on your podcast? David Buss, who wrote the evolution of desire. Oh, okay, uh, I I haven't read that. Um, I was just talking oh, it's, to it's um, awesome. Jeff Miller. Do you know who he is? He wrote The Mating Mind. Oh, I've heard of him too. Yeah, I'll I'll introduce you guys because you should definitely okay. have him on your podcast. He's a, he's really smart. Um, okay. and and he's kind of an expert in in the subtleties of this very interesting stuff. But but again, he, what he would say about a guy like Mystery is that Mystery stands out, so you're going to notice him, but he's not really showing that, uh, you know, what you're calling leadership qualities, uh, he, he, you know, he would say he's not really showing that he's necessarily the fittest, even though he's standing out. That's true. Absolutely. So, so He didn't show me, like what David Buss says in his book, is that women are attracted to men that bring them closer to resources. Not meaning that men who have money are attractive, but men, but men who can bring them closer to resources, like finances, yes, number one, but also... Um, Drive is really important. Men who are always going to be able to provide safety for them, so either a social circle or strong value of themselves or intelligence, like all of those things. There's 18 characteristics, not just three, like all men think, uh, that that drive our desire towards men. So, so, um, you know, one of the interesting things is is that you know, a lot of people in the pickup artist community sort of have this phrase, uh, uh, peacocking, where, you know, a peacock, yeah. a male peacock will have this, you know, very colorful plume, and that's what attracts women, or female or peahens or whatever. Uh, right. But, but the reality is, from an evolutionary psychology point of view, what they're really showing is not how beautiful their plume is, but how they could care less about what predators think of them because they're so tough. 
So like a lion exactly. is going to see this plume, but they don't care because they're 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 acting really tough, and so that w- signals to the female peacock that uh, this is uh, this guy is not just standing out, but he he's he's wasting his survival chances uh, in order to impress me because he's got an overabundance of survival ability, and so it's different oh, from the, how the pickup artist cool. will use it. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah I thought that was really interesting. Relate. I I, I kind of just learned that actually by by. Um, doing these podcasts but uh uh so so how did you two meet well marnie was uh, marnie does a lot of stuff with um the ask askmen.com website which you know has like millions of viewers and all of that and i i started doing um some hosting for them and then they basically wanted to do a segment called ask women and so they kind of pulled their resources of women that they were already working with and so then marnie and i met and um, doing the segment for, for the site specifically. And we felt like there was some potential there because it was like a conversation that probably wasn't being heard by most men, women answering in an unbiased way that also had a good sense of humor and good information. And so we thought to move forward with it, and a podcast would be a good avenue for it. Yeah, I feel yeah. like why don't men look towards women to help them, like why do men look towards men to help them? Which seems like totally counterintuitive. Unless you want help with your car, you know, just talk to women. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that like men can give ninety-five percent of the information, right? But we can really give that extra five percent that men will never have access to, and vice versa. Like, if any of my girlfriends ever have a real issue with the guy that they're seeing, I'll tell them to talk to my husband because I can comfort them. I can give them guidance. I can give them advice. But my husband can say to them, this is what's going on inside of his head. This is what his hormones are doing to him. This is what his sex drive is doing to him. This is testosterone from being a guy. This is where a guy is coming from. So I think it's always wonderful for guys to have other men in their lives that they can learn from and watch them behave because they can't watch me go up and pick up a girl and have have be the same thing that they will do later on because I'm a totally different person. I'm a different gender. Uh, it's not going to be the same way I'm going to be interacting with women. But the information that I provide, that Kristen provides, that women can provide to men, um, that extra 5% really is the difference between them getting them the girl and not getting the girl. It, it, I, it's every. I, I feel like the percentage is greater because – the only thing I feel like a guy could tell me is, dude, she cheated on you, and you're blind to it. <laughs> That's really the only thing a guy could tell too. me and probably be 100% accurate when they tell me. But everything else a guy tells me has always been wrong. Really? Yeah, guys don't really give good advice on girls. Like, what do guys know about girls? Maybe that's true. But the guys can show you. Like, you can learn from watching a guy interact with other girls. Like, okay, well, that's what he's doing. I see how he's carrying himself. I I mean, like, a girl can tell you that stuff, too. That's what we talk about all the time. We talk about all of those things that men talk about as well. So we give the 100% of the information as opposed to the 95%. But When you're giving advice to your friends who are female about their guy situations, I bet you're not giving as good advice as when you're talking to guys about their female situations. Oh, for sure. Exactly. And I think what men are missing is, uh, sorry if I'm a little echoey right now, um, but I think what men are missing is that women, and that we we can share, is that women are very intuitive, and they think with their 
with their gut and their heart a lot more than men. They're not as logical in their decisions when it comes to these things. So men think, oh, if I offer her XYZ and I'm wearing this, you know, very ironed shirt, then she's going to like me. But it's more what she feels inside than what she just sees and touches. And it's not always tangible for women. Yeah. yeah. And you that's know, the thing I, I that think, we understand. I mean, it seems like a big part of it is is just the biology. Like, you know, women women are the ones who have to uh, raise kids. So when a woman has sex with a guy, there's the guy could leave the next day, but the women potentially have just made a 20-year investment. So you have to be yeah. a lot... Women in general have to be a lot choosier. So it can't be just about what that flashy shirt is or what that first pickup line is. Like you say, there has to be this kind of uh, inner confidence that uh, sort of exudes through to show the woman that this is a guy who's going to be there. Absolutely. So even if a guy you know, approaches us and he's so funny and like he's so funny for two hours of the night and it's awesome and we're enjoying it. By the end of those two hours, sometimes even a shorter period of time, depending on the age of the woman, the woman's going to be like, okay, hopefully. what else do you have? Still yeah, long. hopefully. But when you're, you know, when you're younger, like you can go for two hours on banter and flirting. But the next time that she's going to see you, she's going to be like, hey, what else you got for me? Like, we know you're funny. Like, what else is there? You have to show me that you, you can give me more. That there's more to you that you're going to be able to provide, that you're going to be intelligent, that you're going to have drive, and that it's not just I have a sense of humor and I'm funny. We, and we and, and just to be clear, it's not more. just, I mean, obviously both of you provide for yourselves. Like, uh, so it's not just that they're going to provide for you in right. a financial way, but just that they're not losers. Yeah, right. exactly. It's, right. It's pretty simple once you break it down. Just don't be a giant loser. Yeah, right. exactly. So, Done. so define, define giant loser, because I would say most people in general are losers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even if it doesn't look it from the outside. Right. Yeah. Well, I'll say this case. So, so this is where Kristen and I differ. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say it horribly. Like, I I look at, I, I not that I'm a glass half full person, she's a glass half empty person, but I would say, like, the world isn't full of losers. The, the world is full of people <laughs> who are afraid to do things and act and take chances and possibly fail. That's not a loser. I mean, maybe I'll call it wimpy, but I don't even want to li- label it as those things. Okay, that's fair. I think that there's certain people who put themselves out there and who take chances, and there's a lot of people out there who don't think they have the ability to be that person, but they absolutely do. Everybody can get what they want. Everybody can go after what they want, and everybody can be whatever they want to be. They just have to take that first step, and that's a lot of what we teach guys on our show and within, within my business as well. Okay, so what's that, first, what's step. that first step? Like, how would you teach somebody who's who's basically been brainwashed by the pickup scene and, and has encountered failure after failure? How would you teach them to kind of start standing on their feet? Well, the first thing that I do in all of my programs is I have these guidebooks that I give to them that really gets them to know themselves and identify what their values are. And this exercise I actually got from doing my own coaching in the past because I had no idea what my values were. I was always like, oh, yeah, I have the same values as my boyfriend, but I had no idea what those values actually were. And so over time, once you start to know more about who you are and what you want and you have it written on paper, it becomes really real. What's an example of value? An example of a value is I like to be open. 
And I, I like people to be around people who are open as well. Or I really value fun. Or I, fam- I value family and friends. I value privacy. Those are really strong things. And once you can identify your own values, you can understand how other people have different values. Because for me, for example, I, I used to detest people who valued privacy. I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. I, I always thought they were weird. They were closed off and closed-minded. I didn't understand it at all until I did this exercise and understood that it was something of great importance to them to hold their information close to them and only share it with specific people. And I could see it in a different light once I started identifying my own values and understood how important they were to me. And I have over 100 values, but they're, you know, I've, I've categorized them and I have, you know, my top three to five that are really important to me. Um, so, so, so you think when, he, when, when, yeah. when a guy starts listing his values and the things that are, are important to him, it gives him a little bit more of that inner confidence, like, oh, I'm not going to go yeah. down this direction because it doesn't fit my values? Exactly. Like, so if they're sitting on a date, they're not just thinking, okay, like me, like me, like me, I'm going to tap dance for you, I'm going to show you how great I am. They sit back and say, hmm, okay, do we have similar values? Even to just, like, hang out as friends. Uh, that girl was rude to the waiter. I'm not into that. That's not a value of mine. So that you can, like, literally just respect yourself more in that moment because you understand what works for you and what doesn't. Just like you were saying before that you said no to things, it's because you took a moment to pause and notice what you wanted to do and what you didn't want to do. Whereas before, you were just saying, sure, I'll do anything. Sure, I'm happy with that. Sure, I don't care what you do to me. And that that doesn't really put you in a position of power. And no, it doesn't mean power it was really, over other it was people, really horrible. Yeah, it's just power over yourself, power over your decisions, power what things and what people you let into your life. And that that's where confidence stems from. And confidence... We talk about it all the time on the Ask Women podcast. We talk about how confidence doesn't mean that you're like 100% confident 100% of the time and you never have a down moment. It just means that you can help yourself a lot faster and you don't get into this depression hole from something small or even large happening to you. You have the tools and the skill sets to be able to handle whatever comes your way. That's what confidence means. It doesn't mean you're not affected by things. Well, it seems like part of what you're saying is confidence is also uh, noticing when your emotions might be getting out of control or inappropriate. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So like an inappropriate emotion might be if you're using some guy's opinion of you to judge yourself. Exactly. And separate from the confidence thing, like, okay, so for me, I, I had a stroke when I was 20 years old. So, and that stroke came from my own social anxiety. And the reason that I really identify with a lot of these guys is because when I was younger, women intimidated me, especially pretty women. I would always be the nice girl around them. I never really stated my opinion. Uh, I always wanted them to be my friend. I always put them on a pedestal. So they always kind of kept me around, but they weren't really friends with me, the way that I saw other girls interacting with each other, because I really wasn't putting anything out there that showed I was an individual. And from all of this social pressure I was putting onto myself, where I was living in my head and overanalyzing everything, I had a stroke when I was 20, and I promised myself... So, so you, think you're, you think you were holding it all in, and it just kind of sure. like, uh, until literally you burst a blood vessel? Yeah, for sure. I had disorders. I've never heard of anyone time. who had a stroke at the age of 22. No, 20. I was 20, 20. years old. But yeah, it was not very common. So 
so when I recovered, I said, okay, I, I want to be that person that I see myself as, not the person that I'm living my life as. Because in my head, I was funny, I was fun, I was, I was opinionated, I would do fun things, and people would want to be around somebody like what I pictured in my head. So I started doing exercises, and these are the exercises that we provide to guys. So the first step that you're asking for is definitely, you know, to think and to really discover who you are. The second ex- exercise of getting social and interacting with women is really just starting to put yourself out there. So I always say to guys, and Kristen always says to guys, if you can't approach a 75-year-old man sitting on a park bench who's, like, really ugly, you're going to have a hell of a time approaching a super hot hot woman that you, you know, want to insert something into, you know? I, I love so, that advice. I, I think I'm going to steal that advice. It's because it's true. So you have to take a step back and, like, approach 10 people every single day and just start off by saying hi. And I know that doesn't sound anything like, you know, what you would do if you want to pick up a girl, but there's 30 other exercises after that that no, help with I, picking I, up women. I, I, but that's the first step. I'll tell, you, where, I'll like, tell you what I do. I do this to, to this that. day. It has nothing yeah. to do with picking up anybody, but it, it, it just helps my life. So when I'm walking down the street, let's, I live in New York City. When I'm walking down the street, there's always people walking in the other direction. I always yeah. pretend I'm each person's mother, and then I'm smiling at them <laughs> as if I'm their mother and they're my child. So I love men, that. women, I try to avoid this with this little kids because it could be creepy. <laughs> yeah. but I'll tell you, women smile back 100% of the time. Of course they do. Right. And, right. But even more so, what you're doing is you're starting to notice all the people around you. You're showing that you're open and you're seeing the opportunities around you rather than, you know, living like all the other zombies in the world who well, have their head down exa- who are ashamed of themselves. And you're also doing something to shake something up in their brain because the yeah. hundred people that have already walked by them have not smiled and have not looked. So when you do something different, you initiate some sort of, you know, chemical in, in the brain saying, oh, this is different. I'm going to take notice. So yep. you instantly uh, open them up based on their, their own surprise of, yeah. of the pleasantry. I think, I think that's right. I think they're not used to it, so they don't know what's happening, and they smile back. Yeah, right. Like, how is, who's this cocky guy? Like, Wait, why is he wake so constantly up. smiling at me? Yeah, who's this weirdo? Like, right. I, I right. have but to be it, careful when I pass men because then they think I'm gay. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, um, uh, Chris, Kristen, I just want to ask, though, how, so you, you say you've been in, like, two major relationships. You're in your 30s. How long has this current relationship been going on? Been six years. Six years. And how come you're, I just have to ask, how come you're not married just by no one's asked each other or you decided this is not philosophically what you want to do or? <laughs> For whatever reason, you know, I come from a family that has like very good marriages and, you know, they're very little divorce and everyone's very happy. But for some reason, marriage to me um, is so scary. And I think that I feel that way because I am pursuing something out of the norm that for whatever reason in my brain, I think if I get married, I've failed. Like my life is over. I can no longer pursue, you know, these interesting different things that I'm pursuing, and now I have to become regular and normal. So I think that's number one why. And I think number two would be because my boyfriend and I are great, and, you know, we've been together for a long time, but I think we still have issues that we would want to work out before. It's like we're together and we want to stay together, but there's that kind of sidebar of, like, this is probably 
not as great as it should be if we were to get married. You know, I, and so I think I, that second part, it sounds really honest because, and yeah. Marnie, when she said that first part that uh, about being afraid that she wouldn't be able to accomplish what, what she wanted, that to me sounded almost like an excuse as opposed to yeah. mm-hmm. the, the real reason. Yeah, for sure. There's something that's definitely deeper below that. But that, that that can also be like a surface level fear. It may be true, but that's only because she's limiting herself. It's not him or being married to him that would hold her back from having that happen. I, I will tell you, though, that was the excuse I gave myself before I got married to my first really? wife, which ended in divorce. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was really afraid, particularly when I had kids. I was really afraid, that's it, all of my creativity is over. And you know what? I was right until I got divorced. So, right. not that the same thing's going to happen to you. Is the wrong woman for repeat. you, or because you just fed into that belief? That could be, yeah. I could have maybe just got too, too trapped into that excuse. So, yeah. but okay, so Marnie, what's the, what's the third step? You're giving me the first two steps. What's the third step? The third step is to learn specific techniques about how to have conversations. So, so one of the things that we teach guys, it's called OSA which is the wing girl method's method for starting conversation with women and continuing conversation with women. So OSA is O-S-A, and you're doing it right now on this interview. It's the way that people naturally have conversations, but it's difficult for a lot of guys to do when they're picking up and approaching women because typically they'll approach a woman and they'll ask her question after question after question after question, right, interview mode, until they hit on something that they think gets a woman to open up. But what we tell men to do is open up first and lead by example. So OSA is observation, sharing, and asking questions so that you're in the driver's seat. You make an observation about something or someone or the world around you, and then you share a little bit about it. So sharing in a way that shows who you are, what you're about, what your opinions are. It doesn't have to be a big share, but it can be a little share. And after you share and expand on why you've made a statement, then you open it up to the woman or to the people that you're talking to, and you ask a question. And you can just keep... It's kind of funny because it's similar... It's similar in the business world a little bit. Like, let's say you're pitching a customer and the customer is a male. You usually want to show the man that there's some sort of financial opportunity in this for him. Like, let's say you're doing a one-on-one pitch. But if the customer is a woman, then it's a little bit better is to share an intimacy first. Like, uh, for intimacy is sort of the currency for women, whereas financial opportunity is kind of the currency for selling a man. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. So that's interesting. So so I, I saw that OSA that you mentioned, but you didn't um, you didn't really describe it completely in what I read. Um, so what's so 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 go deeper into it. What's the what's the next step? Okay. So the next step after OSA is actually called LCA, which is learn, confirm, and appreciate. And this is this is the part that makes women addicted to you and separates you from friend and puts you into, like, a lover or a potential dating category or you know, sex for that evening. But learning, confirming, and appreciating. So when a woman does respond back to you, you learn something about her or you listen and you confirm that you've heard what she's said. So it's like active listening, exactly what you're doing on this phone call. You're, you're reinforcing us by repeating back to us what we've said or saying, I agree with you. That's what confirms 
sounds like or looks like to other people. And then the important part, and this is the same in the business world, the same in any world, it's appreciate. It's appreciate this woman for what she said. But what you're really saying to her when you appreciate is now that you've said that, I see you differently than I did before. I get you and understand you, and there's something special about you. And because I'm a man of value who doesn't see this very often, it has way more importance, and you're very special. And, so, you know, that can be done really easily in conversation, but it sounds very grand when I'm explaining it. But ultimately what it's doing is it's saying to this woman, I'm pretty awesome, and I'm seeing you as pretty awesome as well. So it's interesting because it's still, if the man is still underlying not confident in himself, I, I forget who it was who said, maybe it was um, Marion Williamson who said, uh, if you want to meet the most interesting guy in the world, you have to be the most uh, interesting woman yeah. in the world. So yeah. it was advice for women. And uh, yeah. uh, it's still for the guy, How is he, he still has to have that underlying confidence to, to LCA. Absolutely. Like, even, this may not be directly correlated, but I saw the movie um, Begin Again, which is amazing, by the way, the one with Keira Knightley and uh, Mark Ruffalo. But she was talking to, Keira Knightley in the movie is talking to Mark Ruffalo's daughter, and he was talking to her, she was talking to her about the way that she was dressing. She was dressing really slutty. And she was saying to her, like, yeah, it's like, you're not going to get a quality guy because you're dr- these guys know they can get you already. They know what they can get from you by looking at what you're wearing. Like, you have to leave something up to the imagination for men. So don't dress like they can already have you. Dress like they want to figure out what's underneath your clothing. And it's it's kind of, you know, the, the same thing in all of your interactions with other people. And just like you said, if you want to be the most interesting, uh, if you want to date the most interesting man, you need to be the most interesting woman. Same thing for guys. If you want to date an awesome woman, you have to be an awesome man and own that and acknowledge it and be vulnerable at the same time. And you don't have to be an arrogant jerk. But um, in order for you to welcome those awesome women into your life, you first have to be that awesome person and really believe that about yourself. But you do have to be that person authentically. I I had an experience in college where I was – completely infatuated with this guy who's in a band that's relatively large or famous. And I had gotten the opportunity to interview him, and then we ended up having, um, like, a back-and-forth and email, and which was, like, I had been a fan of this guy for a long time, so it was, like, blowing my mind. But I was not... I had nothing really in common with him, but I was forcing things in common. And so <laughs> in a drunken stupor at one point where we were I went to one of his shows I said that I was learning like the instrument that he played which was completely pathetic of me I was like I'm learning this because you played us I was 19 years old so it's like that's you know understandable for someone at that age but looking back on it and he gave me a look of of like you know that's that's pathetic and that's when I realized I need to be who I am and then make that and then and then if that's interesting to someone else that's great so don't try to be interesting to interest them make sure it's you naturally being interesting it's interesting that you say that because you know there's um there's all sorts of studies that uh different body postures uh it, you know make make people think you're confident but the problem is if you just do the posture uh you you actually could appear unconfident if you're not authentically feeling confident underneath. 
Like you almost have right. to method act your yeah, sure. confidence to, to really project confidence. Right. Yeah. And all well, this sounds like, very convoluted. I, all this, does, I think, comes across, you know, very complicated, but it's so, it's really just simple. Basically, all, all we're saying is be you. Literally be comfortable being you, but just be the best you you can be, essentially. No, yeah. it, so, it doesn't sound, it sounds actually, what I like about your method is that it sounds like the right technique as opposed to all these fancy, complicated formulas in the pickup right, artist yeah. scene. Like, yeah, I remember, right, um, so I, I, uh, I went to this dinner once, and I was sitting next to this guy who was very confident, and, um, and he had a very beautiful wife, uh, and some guy leaned over to me and said, that guy makes $30 million a year. And I'm like, how could he make that? And this guy said to me, well, and this was the guy sitting next to me turned out to be David D'Angelo. He's the, this big pickup. He's got all these pickup artists, oh, so boot camps and stuff. <laughs> and uh, I just, I couldn't believe it that, that the industry was even that big. But um, I think it's because it's, they make it, almost too complicated so they could charge extremely high prices, sell all these, you know, boot camps to all these like wimpy guys or whatever and uh, make a ton of money. Right, right. Whereas taking yeah, it to the basics I think actually really actually does work. Actually working on people's insides works. Yeah, for sure. It does. Okay, the one the one thing so is, is that like when somebody says to you just be yourself uh, in the past, I would say, but I am, or but I don't know how to do that, so that other people will like it. So, yes, I somewhat agree with you, but I also understand... People are afraid, though, to be themselves is the problem. Yeah, for sure, or they don't know what that means to be themselves, or, like, how to have right. conversations. So, sometimes you do need a whole 200-page book on how to have conversations, because... You're not doing it right, right now, but you need to understand it depending on the way that you learn or the way that your brain works. You may need it to be broken down step by step by step by step by step. So what we try and do with Ackerman Podcast and with the Wing Girl Method is really just take these grand concepts and break them down into small steps so that everything can be achievable. So that you do an exercise, like one of the exercises that I have is called the silly walk, right? And that's something that I did for myself to figure out if the way that I was walking was capturing the attention that I wanted. So what you do is, or what I did, was I went to Whole Foods, and I did four different laps, and each lap I would walk a different way. I would hold myself differently and see what type of attention I would get from other people and see how I would feel when I was looking at other people. And then I could choose, you know, to do one of the four walks at any time of the day. I know that... At certain points where I don't care what people think, I can walk a certain way. I know that if I want to get attention from other people, from men especially, I can walk a certain way. I know if I want to be seen as open and friendly, I can walk a certain way. And those things are always interesting to learn for yourself um, and just as a, as a psychological practice. So sometimes there does need to be more instruction on how to bring out the self that you actually want to be because just saying be yourself is really overwhelming for some that, people. That's fascinating. That so so what kind of walk attracted men in a Whole Foods? And I love how the conversation about dating keeps getting back to Whole Foods. This is like, I know, this right? is like the dating market. 
Oh my god, it totally is. It's the best place to pick up women. Okay, so for for me, I um I also have this exercise that's called What Animal Are You? And so when you identify yourself as an animal and you attach five attributes to it, um, those things you can quickly call on if needed and you want to get to a confident place. So for me, I have my cougar walk, which is not like meaning older woman going after younger men, but I I gave five attributes to a cougar, like slow and steady, precise, like just, just things that in my mind also kind of said sexy. And that's, that's the walk that I do. And I can quickly take on my vision of a cougar and put that into my body when I want other men to look at me. I walk slowly. I have my chest slightly out. I have smirk on my face. I stare people in the eye. I have no problems with holding eye contact. I know that if I were to talk to them, I would talk more slowly. Like even now, I'm I'm doing it while I'm on the phone with you, so I can quickly put that into my body. But that type of walk gets more attention from men than when I, you know, scurry around Whole Foods and have my head down where I'm not looking at anybody and I'm quickly trying to get in and get out. Like, that doesn't get any attention from anybody, let alone men. That's so funny. So so guys, you would notice guys would come up to you or talk, or try to start having a conversation with you. Oh, yeah. And I could tell that I was also, some guys, I was actually intimidating them. So I would hold eye contact, and usually I break away from eye contact, but I held my eye contact strong, and, you know, we had a, a, a face-off of eye contact, and typically they would break away first, but then look back and smile afterwards. So, yes, that that is what I could do to get attention for men, and I give that exercise to men to do as well, because then they start to notice what they can be doing with their body language and the way that they walk and present themselves that will either, you know, intimidate women, attract women, um, turn women off, turn women on. It just gets them to play around with their body because most of us live in static mode, right? So we have, like, our go-to face that we have on or we have our go-to body language, our go-to walk. And when you start to play around with it a bit, you can see how it can it can change the reactions from yourself and from other people and get, either give you confidence or give you lack of confidence. You know, this this again reminds me actually of stand-up comedy because, you know, you, you com- compare a stand-up comic to, like, let's say someone who's just doing public speaking. So someone who's just giving a talk is going to be in a monotone probably the entire time. But a stand-up comic yeah. is going to be multiple characters, multiple voices. Like, you're really going to break out of your comfort zone to get different reactions from the audience. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But even Chris, yeah, Chris sure. does this. Like, it's, like, even changing the way that you say a sentence can get a, get a laugh out of the audience or can make them, like, dislike you. Yeah, like, like, like Kristen, like, when you watch Louis C.K., and every now and then he puts on, like, his little, little girl voice, or in some acts he has, like, the voice of God, and where he's, like, really angry, and, you know, when he does different voices, it's just funny him doing another voice. Right. Well, it shows you that he's comfortable to maybe sound stupid or sound, you know, sound silly or sound different than people would expect. But there's also something that I think is interesting in terms of body language with with comedy is there's certain things comedians do that you know they're they're comfortable. For example, um, you know, they have their water bottle on the stool and they can pause and take a minute and take a break and take a yeah. sip from the water bottle and they're not worried about leaving the audience hanging for a minute. So I think 
you know, men can also apply that to women where you don't have to fill every, every you know, beat with, with something witty or something interesting. Um, yeah. Another thing that comics do that I think different, differentiates someone from being a novice versus being experienced is the way they hold the microphone. So a novice or, like, someone beginning, they might hold the microphone up to their mouth when they're saying something, but then they bring it down, like they bend their elbow back when, they're, when they take a break, and they put their head down, and then they bring it back up, and they put it back down. But a comic holds the microphone uh, closer to their mouth and doesn't, and doesn't move it, doesn't really, unless it involves some sort of physical bit. So there's, like, a confidence there um, in, just, in just movements that makes a huge difference. Yeah, it's so interesting. I really, I really just love the whole comedy world and and all of these little tricks because it's more like the humorous, the humor part is almost the least of it. It's all of this other stuff that gives the comic, and I guess, and this applies also to you know meeting people. It gives it gives presence to what you're doing. Right, right, the natural presence that people, but for me, uh, growing up, I was not good at school at all. I really um, wasn't interested in it, but uh, for some reason, the school selected me to go and speak at these, like, youth convention things, and I, I was so good at it. It was like I just got into my element, and it was because I felt like, in that moment, because I had been offered to do something like that, I felt confident because someone believed in me. And so because they chose me to speak, I thought, well, I must be decent at this because I'm, I get selected for nothing else in school and gave me an air of confidence. So I walked up. I didn't apologize. And that's where I mo- realized how, how, how much my presence on stage actually sh- was shining through. I think in my everyday life I don't walk, you know, like a, like a cougar and I kind of have my shoulders down. But that's because I want to be left alone. I really don't like to be approached personally most of the time. But when I'm in my element and I feel like I have control a little bit over the situation, I'm not talking to just one person. I'm talking to a crowd, and they're they're perking up at me. Then my shoulders go back, and my whole demeanor changes, and people perceive me as incredibly confident. But but when I you know if you saw me at Whole Foods, you would just see me getting you know, a package of, uh, I don't know, like rice and, and scurrying out and people thinking I'm probably not that that smart or something, you know. So it but, just but the difference is with, with the it. audience in front of you I've there, seen you Chris do, at all you food. Element, he looks you're very seducing intelligent. the audience. So <laughs> you're you're playing that, that role. So, what did you say that one more time? You, it, when, you're, when you're in your element there, you're seducing the audience. Yeah, oh, yeah. it really, I mean, for me, it's an, like, it really comes down to just I don't want to say it's an act because it's not, but it's something that, as a performer, I can turn on or I can just shut off. So if I hold my shoulders back and and feel like really cool about everything I say, people people are like, I would have never known that you have confidence issues or like for me, I was bullied my entire childhood growing up. They would never they would never know. People always think that I was like a mean girl in high school the way I hold myself on stage, but I but I wasn't. I was actually the complete opposite. But it's because there's something inside of me that can perform, I can turn it on. It's totally fake. I'm not confident, really, you know. So, for, for again, it's you fake it till you make it, and I'm continuing to fake it. But I'm almost making it, so. Okay, know, but I've, I've, seen, I've seen not only the video clips of you on stage, but also some of the sketches you've been in, and you definitely exude confidence. So I, I don't believe you when you say you don't have confidence, unless I'm totally <laughs> fooled by your faking it. 
Yeah, well, I, I think the other thing is I did grow up um, as a dancer on stage. I like used to perform in Disneyland and Disney World and, and all that stuff. So um, so when I was on stage, that's where I got my most – that's basically where I wasn't bullied. So whenever I am on stage, I go back to where I always felt the best. So I think that's why I do come across confident. And I, and I mean, I'm not totally self-loathing. But, I mean, even on the phone call right now, I'm like, what am I even saying? Like, before we, we started the phone call, I was like, you know what, I should just call Marnie and tell her to just do it because she's the successful one. You know, so, oh, I mean, no. that, it comes it's, out I'm in glad you both got on the call. I, I, <laughs> I feel like I could talk to you guys for another three hours, but... Uh, I know. Well, I, I do want to say one thing, sorry, just to let you know. Just Kristen, I've been even loving the way that you're carrying yourself on this call. But Kristen does what a lot of people do. Like, they'll be really confident and say their opinion, and then they'll apologize for it afterwards. And, like, doubt themselves. They don't want to come across as too confident. But Kristen, you have been very sexy on this phone call. I'm very impressed with you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Kristen, you're hearing from an expert there. <laughs> Marnie, how did you meet your husband? Oh, I met him actually a month before I started my business. So... I dated his roommate, and then I dated one of his friends, but I never met my husband. But the friend, who it didn't work out with him, he just kept inviting me to things and told me to bring my girlfriends around. He had a lot of guy friends. So he invited me to, they, they used to have these beach parties um, at the Washington Pier. They play volleyball and have cocktails. And so I went there with a few of my girlfriends and met my husband there, but wasn't interested in him, had a conversation with him. He was really nice. And then I saw him a few times later um, at a bar, and he was really, he was different than how he was on the beach. He was confident. He was kind of teasing me a little bit and being sarcastic. Uh, and then I asked him for his phone number. And then from that point on, we've been together. Uh, and and does he ever get like, uh, you know, obviously your job involves you being totally in the dating scene for men. Like, does he yeah. ever get like a little nervous or threatened by that? No, and that's why I find him so sexy. I think I think also if if I was like, hey, I'm going out tonight with like all these hot guys, and I was working on making him jealous, or you know, I can't make somebody jealous, but if I was helping. With that, I think he would have more difficulty, but he's totally confident in who he is and really trusts me as we've gained trust with each other over time. So, no, he's super proud of what I do, especially, you know, it's very different from the very beginning. At first, I was going out with guys on Craigslist that I met, helping them pick up girls. They were all kind of weird. So, I think at that point, he was kind of weirded out by what I did. But then once, you know, it became a very legitimate business and he was seeing the emails that I was getting from guys every single day thanking me, he's, he's like beyond proud. I, what Christian and I are actually doing is, is helping out with male empowerment. And I think if there's a man who isn't supportive of that, then uh, he definitely should not be with me. But uh, there's probably something more wrong with him. So yeah, my husband is in full support of what I do. Well, it's amazing that you, again, both have created the, these careers for yourselves. Like particularly right now, so many people are afraid to take chances and you've both taken every chance possible and have been mm -hmm. successful or moving towards success with it. Like, mm -hmm. uh, like Kristen, you have a book coming out next year. You're, you're self publishing a book. Yeah, I'm, um, currently writing it right now. It's called, can I get a, a hem? I, I really still don't really know how to say it, but basically it's all social etiquette. Um, it's a funny social etiquette guide. It's not, you know, uh, you're, you know, 1800s, you know, 
put your lace, you know, tablecloth down before you serve tea kind of thing. It's more just how to be a decent human being because I think a lot of people forget. So hopefully that will come out. It will be on Amazon um, probably in the next, like, 10 months or so. That's good. I, I, um, my, not my last book, but the book before it, I self-published. And uh, I, I love self-publishing because you get essentially 70% of the revenues as opposed to 15% with a publisher. So just yeah, self-publishing, in my view, is the I way to go. I learned it from Marnie because I know Marnie's done a great job with that stuff. So I'm learning from well, her. Well, Mar- Marnie, you did. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna plug your book here. Uh, get inside her. Dirty dating tips yeah. and secrets from a woman on how to attract, seduce, and get any female you want. Uh, was that with a publisher? No, that was self-published. Oh, I love it. I love all the self-publishing. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's so much better. I, I tried to go the self-publishing route, but I got offered a contract, and they wanted to basically own my book and any content that was in the book for the next 20 years. And the content of my book is my business. So they wanted to own a portion of my business and receive 70%. It was just a mess. And it was like a really legit publishing company. And when I found out about self-publishing and the fact that even with a publishing company, you do all the marketing. It's it's you driving the sales. For totally. The book. I don't know of any publishing yeah. company that knows how to do marketing. No, they have no clue. And you, you know this because, like, you know, I know your audience size. Like, you know that you can do phenomenal with marketing your book just by announcing it to your audience in a strategic way that allows you to become a bestseller very quickly on Amazon or on other platforms. So, you know, you've built up something. I've built up something together. Chris and I have built up something. There's no need for publishing companies to be involved, especially you know, if you want to have a successful book. You know what you guys should do? You have so many episodes of... Uh, the Ask Women podcast, you should take transcripts and provide additional commentary and like every 10 episodes, just publish it as a book. Like just keep churning out books on Amazon. That's an amazing idea. That's amazing. I just thought chills, Lisa. That's actually a really good idea because I've been trying to think about things that we can do for the podcast. That's a really good idea. Yeah, and um, I'm sure you have like Podcast One probably hooks you up with sponsorship and all that. They seem like a good company to to work with. They 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 host your podcast. Yeah, they post our their our podcast. They're our they're our partners. So they do the production, the engineering. They put it on their platform. Um, But that's a really really smart idea. I'm I'm always glad to to come up with ideas. Um, Well, look, it's been very great having you on the show i really i really hope we can have you on again um so let me let me plug a whole bunch of things because you you guys produce so much content it's ridiculous i don't even know where to begin (laughs) but but marnie there's the 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 wing girl method so it's winggirlmethod.com and yes people could buy tons of stuff there plus you, you you're an excellent you you learn quickly from the whole internet marketing uh uh, crew, you you have tons of great free material. You always want to have your best material for free, and then you have your 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 core. Uh, you know, get this to to get that extra five percent. So so yeah. you're, it seems like you have like an excellent marketing thing going on there. Oh, so, thank you. And then Kristen, you have kristencarney dot com, which has all of your yeah. appearances and and everything else. You don't have a blog, I notice. Well, I do. I do actually have a blog. Um, I haven't really been updating it frequently, but my blog is called Sweat the Small Stuff with Kristen dot com, and that's actually what where I'm kind of 
stemming my book from is from all that content that's up there. So people can check that out, but I haven't updated that in quite some time. Um, but just uh, follow me on Twitter would be awesome. Um, and that's just at Kristen Carney, and that's Kristen with a K. Um, okay, hold on. I'm going to find you on Twitter. I'm going to follow <laughs> you right now. And actually, I'm at Wing Girl Method. You can follow I'm going to follow both of you right now. Cool. Um, and we should have you on our podcast. Yeah, you yeah should I should go. I, you know, um, Adam Adam Carolla, whose podcast won, I guess uh, he was he was on my podcast as well. Um, well that's cool. And uh, yeah, because we were talking about patent patent stuff, and uh, and yeah, like I said, I've had a, uh, Jeff in, Miller, who's in into the um, evolutionary psychology stuff. He's been on, and uh, Tucker Max is also into that stuff. He's been on. Oh yeah, yeah you we have amazing people. Tucker Max on our show too. Yeah. Oh my god, we're you gotta have Tucker Max on your show. He would be amazing. I would love to have Mark Cuban, or even I. I know Chris doesn't know who this is, but Gary Vanderchuk, who you had on your podcast as well. Like you have a good lineup of people. Oh, I'll introduce Gary to you. He's a good guy. But but I'll oh, tell you, I would love the that. guy I you should have on the show <laughs> is Tucker. Yeah, oh, for sure. And we actually oh, tried to get Tucker a while back. But I don't know if, if I think it fell through, but we would definitely love to have him. Oh, yeah. I'm he's calling a marketing him right genius. after the show, and he's going to go on your show, hopefully. Oh, okay, I cool. I can't, I can't promise for him, Thank but you. but but I, I'm sure he would be excited about it. That's awesome. Yeah, we would love to you. have him. So, yeah, so well, uh, thanks very much, and I'm going to close out the show here, but uh, I hope I hope we get a chance to talk again. It's been really great talking to you guys. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah for thank sure. you. Yeah, and definitely thanks. come on our show too. Oh, I definitely yeah. will. We you, you should you should ask me and I will come on. Okay, well, we're asking you now. So come on our show it's and then show. we'll go through Tim who introduced us. Yeah, perfect. Done. Okay, cool. Cool. All right, thanks a lot you Thank guys. You. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. For more from James, check out the James Altucher Show on the Stansberry Radio Network at stansberryradio.com and get yourself on the free insiders list today. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.